0: Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ as we gather together today. And we consider that God has come to Bethlehem. Now, think about that. God has come to Bethlehem. The God who lit the sun. You know, we had a spacecraft that that kind of went toward the edge of the sun recently and reached temperatures of 2 million degrees. What in the world, I mean that literally, what in the world can withstand 2 million degree temperature? I think it would be interesting to find out. But the, the God who put the sun in the sky and the moon that changes every 28 days in its phases, the God who, who painted the Milky Way across the, the dome of our evenings God comes to Bethlehem. If you knew it exactly, you could put in the coordinates and your GPS and you could go to exactly the spot and the people in Bethlehem can tell you, you don't have to guess. We know exactly where it is. And I would agree that they probably know pretty much where it is in the same way we know where Abraham Lincoln was born, in the same way we know where Ronald Reagan was born, in the same way, we can find the, the home that Lyndon Johnson grew up in as a teenager. Those kinds of places are known. Once a, once a figure becomes a significant figure, then all of the spots that matter suddenly take on a significance of their own. And so, God comes to Bethlehem. When I say to Bethlehem, it's a specific spot. It's at a specific time. It's in a specific culture. God, God comes to Bethlehem. The prophet Micah gives us great expectations about this. Before we talk about Micah's expectations, let me just give a geography lesson here. There are two things you need to be able to find on a map of Israel to make sense of where anything happens it is the Sea of Galilee which is a freshwater body of water and uh, there is the Dead Sea which is a ridiculously salt filled body of water and this is the Mediterranean out here so if you want to know where anything is orient yourselves with the Sea of Galilee the Dead Sea and the Jordan River is the body of water that flows from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea now this particular map takes us from the hometown of Mary and Joseph which is Nazareth and it follows Elizabeth's path I mean Mary's path going to see cousin Elizabeth so she essentially goes down to Jerusalem and hangs right from Jerusalem and it's not far from there and you'll also see that Jerusalem and Bethlehem are very close to one another Bethlehem becomes famous because it is the town where King David has come from. But Bethlehem is also famous for the descendant of David, who becomes the king of kings and lord of lords. Micah gives us these great expectations. Micah gives us us a preview of what is to come. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. In this one verse, we see some things that we already know. One, great things can come from humble beginnings one of the little clans. Don't worry about how small you are. Something magnificent is going to happen. That's the birthplace of the dynasty of David, and it's also the birthplace of the salvation of the world. The other piece of this is that mysterious things do happen. Shall come forth from me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days." So, someone whose origin is from who knows when is going to appear from the town of Bethlehem. Then we see, therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth, and then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Micah talks about a woman bearing a child when she who is in labor has brought forth. Micah talks about this child becoming a shepherd. One of the images for kingship in the ancient world was the image of a shepherd. A king was seen to be the protector of his people, Like a shepherd was the protector of the sheep, a king was seen to provide for his people like the shepherd provides for his sheep. So the shepherd who provides shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. This particular figure from of old, from ancient days, who is to be a shepherd, has a worldwide reputation that is going to come he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be the one of peace God is patient and God patiently works in the history of the world I just want to paint the picture Again, for you, I know I do this from time to time, of just how patient God is with the unfolding of his will in the world. The book of Micah is written about 700 B.C. The prophet Micah was, was preaching from about 750 B.C. to about 700. One of the first things he says is, watch out, exile is coming. If you don't follow the ways of God, exile is coming, and you're going to be taken away from your land and your people. Well, Micah talks about a catastrophic event that doesn't happen for another 114 years after his book is written. Maybe 164 years after he spoke the message. So from the from the speech of Micah to the book of Micah to the catastrophic events that take place in 586 and then to this this prophecy of Bethlehem, this small town. The small town had seen great things, David came from it, but it remained a small town that Micah anticipated would have an enormous and incredible impact on the world and the world's history the child arrives here's where our gospel lesson comes in today this child that is anticipated actually gets here one of the unusual things about this scripture uh, lesson today is that it's not really told from Joseph's perspective but Joseph is a real major player Joseph takes the stage as a major character here in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, We find now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Just an aside... There are those who would say that 2,000 years ago Humanity lacked the knowledge of basic biology And so 2,000 years ago The idea that a child could be born from a virgin Was one that could be accepted Whereas in 2021 we are far too sophisticated To accept such a notion We know better now But Joseph knew better then He and ancient people for millennia before him understood basic biology. Joseph got what it meant. Mary is expecting a child whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Joseph doesn't know that. And so Joseph is incredulous, but he's also kind. And so we find this beautiful verse, her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose Mary to public display, disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Now here's Joseph's part where Joseph has to have faith. Just when he resolves to dismiss her quietly, an angel of the Lord appears in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now Joseph had to have faith. He had to have faith that his dream was not the product of something that he had eaten the day before and a bad case of indigestion. He had to have faith that this dream Was different from other dreams That God was speaking to him here In a way that God May not usually have spoken To Joseph And may not usually speak to Humanity But Joseph had to have faith that In him And in this situation he found himself in Isaiah's expectations Were taking place All this Matthew says to us, took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so Joseph awoke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. I want to talk for a minute about the Lord's patience. The Lord is patient in a way that you and I consider to be something that is more than patience. I know that some of you have the virtue of patience to a different degree than others. But the Lord's patience is something altogether different Because the Lord looks at the history of the world and is working out his will from beginning to end. The Lord looks not just at one nation, but at the fullness of nations. The Lord looks not just at today, but the whole of a society's existence and the whole of your family and my family's existence. The Lord's patience is altogether an extraordinary thing. And by the end of the first century, there were Christians who were wondering, okay, we know Messiah has come. Jesus has died on our behalf, and he is risen and is seated at the right hand of the Father, but we thought he was coming back. And the more we got into the first century of the Christian era, the more people were saying, when is he coming back? When is he coming back? And Peter addresses this. Peter says, don't ignore this fact. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some are tempted to think of slowness. But the Lord is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but wanting all to come to repentance. Peter also talks about what to practically do in this middle period. Therefore, beloved, while you're waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish and regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. Regard the patience of the Lord as salvation. God's patience. He's not brought the history of the world to its end because he wants all to be saved. He has not closed the door on the history of our nation because he wants the fullness of what we are capable of to come to pass. He has not said that our families should be wiped out because our our families may yet bless the world. And you, you, dear Christian, whether you've been struggling with the Lord for 12 hours or 12 years or 82 years, He is patient with you. And He sees your whole life from beginning to end. There's wonder. The wonder that God came to a spot that you can find, that you can look at, that you can touch. There's wonder that God breathed in this same air that we breathed in, that God bled. There is wonder that God submitted to baptism in the River Jordan. There's wonder that the maker of all of this, the one who designed the human brain, thought with a human brain that the one who put our sweat glands to cool us off when it gets hot felt perspiration in the heat of the Middle East. There's wonder. Don't let wonder pass you by. There's trust. And it takes a lot of trust to live in this world. There's a lot that's gone wrong that we want God to put right and we would have preferred that God put it right yesterday. But God sees with this lens that is so grand that we have to trust, just like Micah's listeners had to trust that one day Bethlehem would be put on the map again, that one day from this tiny town somebody would come that would bless the whole world. There's trust. Trust that when God makes a promise, he'll keep it. If it takes seven days or 700 years, when God makes a promise, God keeps it. And there's love. Everything God does, God does from love, for God is love. Of course, God is just, but God is lovingly just. Of course, God is merciful, but God is lovingly merciful. Of course, God is king, but he is a loving king. He is shepherd, but he is a loving shepherd. All that God does, God does from this reservoir, from this base of love. The most widely quoted verse in all of the Bible reminds us of this. Why did Jesus enter history? For God so loved the world. Because God loved the world to such a degree, he sent his only son, That whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. God calls us to trust in his patience, to wonder at his goodness, to trust that his promises will be fulfilled, and that all of God's promises are yes in love and in Jesus, the one who has come into our world to make us holy, and to make us whole. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.